0: Welcome to episode five of the Me and Mariah podcast. If you're new, I'm Taylor, and I'm here with my very own Josephine, Blake. Hi. Last week we wrapped up our two parter all about Mariah's world, and today's like the prequel? Kinda. My favorite prequel is Red Dragon, it comes before Silence of the Lambs. Goodbye, horses, anybody? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're going to call this prequel Wayward Child. Simply because that's what Mariah titled the section of her book about her childhood. She was a wayward child with the weight of the world that she held deep inside. As she said on 1997's Close My Eyes, The Lambs Now.
1: Now I know because you made me listen to that song.
0: It's your homework. (laughs) Well, just based off the glamour and the beauty that is Mariah Carey, you really would not even think that she's experienced half of the shit that she has. Like, forget the image, forget the ensembles, forget the big hair, short skirts, whatever. This girl has really seen all sides of life and she won't, ever forget it today we're going to cover some of what mariah has described as her darkest moments and early life inspirations that are the roots of what we see in her today something that most people know lamb or not is that mariah is biracial you remember all those years you're going what is she (laughs) is she black is she white she's hispanic what is she born in 1970 and i'm not gonna buy it those of you that say 1969 so don't even try it even if it were 1969 let's just give her that extra year who's it hurting certainly not mimi Anyways, her mom, Pat, is Irish, white. Her dad, Alfred Roy, black and Venezuelan. Her mom was literally disowned for marrying a black dude. Like, by disowned, I mean that her mom still talked to her over the phone sometimes. But she wouldn't dare tell any other family members that her nice Irish daughter was married to a black guy. And he certainly wasn't coming back to Illinois for the Hickey family reunion. I think that's her mom's maiden name. I could be wrong. Pat's name is still Carrie, though, like, even to this day. They've been divorced since Mariah was three and I don't remember when I first learned that about her family but could have been the Oprah interview she did with her mom but I remember being like wow me too so it was definitely like one of the first ways that I connected with Mariah the person
1: because they divorced when you were actually three like right exactly okay
0: something though with Mariah's story that I will have no way to actually understand the depths of is the amount of racism that she's had to face growing up as people who benefit from white privilege we will never know that feeling of being judged or targeted for your skin color we can try our best to understand and relate it to like feelings of not being accepted for other aspects in our lives but it truly is a lived experience that you can't fully grasp if it's not something that can happen to you Mariah really got it from both ends too, being biracial like one example her lips she had a cousin on her dad's side tell her that her lips were too thin but then she had a white friend who told her that her lips were big well what is it sweetie apparently they're too big for white beauty standards and too small for black beauty standards She would get teased by kids in her cousin's neighborhood because they didn't believe that she was related to them because she was white passing. Even with her hair, she never felt the security or tidiness of having her hair done. It was too black for her white mom to know what to do with it, and it was too white for her black aunts to help her. So Mariah describes her look as a matted, tangled mess. Her aunts tried, though, and it ended up just burning her hair off with a hot comb. She can still remember the smell.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I just remembered... Never mind. No, do it. <laughs> I just remember at a time where I was, this is totally unrelated. I was just brushing my hair alone. I was like home alone and brushing with like one of those like small, like round brushes. And I was trying to curl it and it got stuck in my hair and I had to go to a neighbor's and they literally had to cut it out of my hair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mariah can relate. Maybe if they would have had some like herbal essence shampoo, Mariah's hair would have just turned to silk and started blowing itself without wind. She mentioned how she loved those commercials and always wanted that shampoo. Her older brother, Morgan, had a friend, though, that was able to help her with her hair a little bit. And that story was so sweet and pure and innocent. They were in the car on the way to the beach, and Mariah and this friend of her brother's were in the back seat, Without saying a word to each other, this guy pulls out his Afro pick and got all the knots out of her hair. She said by the time they arrived at the beach, her hair was liberated. She no longer felt burdened by it. She said it was the first time she remembers ever feeling pretty. Aww. She got a hot dog. You can see her eating a hot dog on the back cover of her book. <laughs> with her beautiful locks blown in the wind. Do you remember that episode of Strangers with Candy when her dad got mauled by the dog? <laughs> well, she was eating a hot dog, too.
1: <laughs> How do these memories stick in your brain like that? I don't I... <laughs> understand. <laughs>
0: Well, Mariah's first experience with racism, though, was in preschool, when she was coloring a picture of her family, and the teachers, after laughing with each other, told her that she was using the wrong crayon to color her dad because she colored him brown while making the rest of the family peach. She also had a little white friend who literally exploded into tears at the sight of her dad. She had obviously been taught to be scared of black people from her white family, and this was the first time that Mariah saw the pain it caused her dad to know... That she now had a grasp on the idea that there were people that were literally scared of other people just because of their skin color. I don't think this girl had ever seen a black person in her life. The stories that Mariah shares about her dad in this book really changed my view of him. I think her whole professional career, she put an emphasis on her mom because her mom was a singer. And for like the Mariah Carey brand, it just makes sense.
1: Right, an opera singer. That was interesting.
0: Like throughout my whole knowing of Mariah Carey's background, I always kind of thought that her dad wasn't really in her life much. She did live with her mom primarily, but in the book, we learned that she saw her dad every weekend. From what she says, he seems like a stern guy. He didn't believe in snacks, which to me is just fucking insane. If she was hungry between meals at his house, he would give her a cracker, a single Ritz cracker. Can you believe that? No. Besides that, he seemed normal. He taught her the power of word choice, like the difference between can I borrow a dollar or can I have a dollar? If Mariah said borrow, then mama, you're paying me back. He did some time in the military, and she said he let his fear of not being accepted run his life. That's kind of sad. That's probably why they weren't super close, because Mariah follows her heart, like she said on the finale of Mariah's World. Right. He was also a member of the Unitarian Universalist Fellowship, and I meant to look more into this before our meeting today, but I just didn't have time. What we know from Mariah's book is that they met in an old castle ran by a formerly Jewish reverend who changed their name from Ralph to Lucky
1: lucky you know,
0: yeah like lucky lucky, Charms. lucky the reverend you know it's funny because mariah wanted to change her name too when she was a kid but to something like jennifer or heather because nobody else had the name mariah so it's just another check off of the why am i so different list anyways mariah said the church was like a gathering of misfit toys at a renaissance fair <laughs> creates a good visual yeah <laughs> Now, her sister, Allison, we'll get into her in a minute, but Allison recently, like within the last year or two, has tried to sue their mom for letting their church perform satanic rituals on her when she was young, like pre-Mariah. She said she was forced to perform, you know, acts on adults and that there were dozens of other kids doing the same thing for the church. And she even went as far as to say that they would kill babies and sacrifice them. Like, that's crazy.
1: Oh, my God, no.
0: (laughs) Well, okay, I mean, look at the source. Once we get into Allison, you'll understand what I mean by that, but is this the church she's talking about? She can't sue the, her father because he's no longer with us. But Mariah didn't mention that her mom was ever part of that church. She does mention, though, uh, seance that she performed White Rabbit by a Jefferson airplane at. But it was just at home being fun late at night with candles.
1: Oh yeah, I told you I would kill to hear her sing that, honestly. <laughs> One pill makes you larger, and one pill makes you small, and the ones that mother gives you don't do anything at all. Go ask Alice when she's ten feet tall.
0: Something that made me sad though in the book was when Mariah got the lead in her summer camp's musical Fiddler on the Roof. Her dad came to see the performance. He brought her flowers like a supportive dad would. Everyone else, campers, parents, staff, this was how they learned that Mariah wasn't white and she never got another lead part from that camp again.
1: That's fucked up.
0: Yeah. The most extreme example, though, of racism that she dealt with growing up was towards the end of this first section in her book. And let me tell you, I'm still fuming over it. (laughs) (laughs) I reread the section, obviously, for this episode and it's like I got mad all over again. She recalls a group of white girls, her frenemies, if you will. Well, she said there was one girl in the group that she actually kind of liked, but they were pretty much just like the cool girls. So Mariah, like any kid, just wanted to be accepted into their group. She finally felt like she was part of it when they invited her to a sleepover, and it was all the way in Southampton, which is like where all the rich people go to summer. <laughs> summer being the verb, you know, not, <laughs> not the season. Well, anyways, they're like two hours away from home. They get Mariah alone, and then one of the girls yells out that Mariah is the N-word. Oh. And before she knew it, they're all chanting this at her. I picture it like the scene in Carrie when the girls in the locker room are chanting, plug it up. Isn't that what they chant in that? Uh,
1: I, I don't remember that. She has bit. her period. Okay. in the, It's okay. whatever. It's, <laughs> it's irrelevant.
0: Uh, but just think about that for a second. These girls fooled her into thinking that they liked her just to lure her hours away from her home just to humiliate her for their pleasure.
1: That's so devastating. And
0: only the one girl that Mariah kind of liked said something like, why are you guys doing this? And there was no adult to rescue her. She didn't like know what to do. She didn't even tell her mom like after the fact because she thought her mom would cause a scene and then it would just be even harder for Mariah to exist at school with these girls after that.
1: Kids are so mean, but racist kids are like another <laughs> That's breed. That's next so level. fucked up.
0: And I mean, this made such an impact on her that when she first, started getting big with Vision of Love, she went back to the house and the girl who stood up for her was there and was able to tell her how proud of her she was.
1: Oh my god. This is really
0: emotional. I know.
1: I feel like I've come a long way in terms of just
0: having people able to accept me. Racism is still very much alive today. Nothing has really changed about that sadly, but one thing that Mariah hopefully will never have to face again is poverty. And this was clearly another sensitive spot for Mariah growing up. Not only was she made to feel less than because of her skin color, but she was also made fun of for being the poor girl. Kids in middle school made fun of her for only having three shirts that she would rotate. Now, this opened my eyes to my own privilege, to be honest, because in eighth grade, I wore the same brown zip-up hoodie almost every day. And I did it again in ninth grade, remember, with my purple American apparel?
1: I can, yep, I can testify to that.
0: Well, people noticed and people said things, but it literally did not bother me a bit because I chose that. I had a closet full of clothes, and those were what I liked to wear, so that's why I wore it. So it's interesting to see that for Mariah, this was something that really meant a lot. her and it was a big issue and she was able to cope with it by getting her friends in on like this cute idea to swap out their trendiest clothing items with each other (laughs) that's cool so they would like wear the same things but they would style it differently so it looked different on each other you know
1: yeah i did experience poverty and one thing that stands out is that you have to get crafty and sometimes the most creative ideas and the most resourceful ideas come from basically survival
0: she did a fundraiser actually side note for her prom dress she got like a thousand dollars from selling beer Oh (laughs)
1: yeah i love that see
0: crafty. oh or that (laughs) yeah (laughs) a crafty hustler yeah well a big source of instability in mariah's life comes from her mom pat exposed her to all of the things that she loves in life like music and beauty while simultaneously exposing her to the most turmoil that she will have to go through pat could possibly be the reason that mariah is a gay icon though she had a set of gunkles, Pat's friends. Mm-hmm. They were fully supportive and understood her propensity for extraness, the showgirl in her.
1: I love that. They were probably like. I bits picture Martine. Bits light is... and yeah, just like <laughs> happy source.
0: They were the first to give her like a real homey Christmas, like a classic white Christmas, <laughs> you know, the kind she sings about in her nineteenth Billboard Hot One Hundred number one single, "All I Want for Christmas Is You." <laughs> I didn't have any gays around growing up. There was one, okay, that was sometimes over at my dad's house. He was one of my stepmom's friends. He would wear, like, Hollister or Abercrombie, like, polos and scarves. I just remember him bouncing this baby on his lap at my little sister's birthday party, and he was asking the baby if it could say, Apple martini. (laughs) I just remember thinking, like, get this fucking queen out of here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was surrounded by the gays growing up i know that's totally different yeah i guess i've never i've never heard the term gay uncles gunkles i had those probably had i had those but also what do you call lesbian aunts then a lant a lant
0: or a yeah we'll just stick with lant okay (laughs) (laughs) pat taught mariah how to sing which later became a soft spot of jealousy and competition We've all heard the story about Pat singing in Italian and a four-year-old Mariah correcting her. Now that's cute and all, but fast forward to teenage Mariah correcting her rendition of Somebody's Watching Me, and we've got ourselves a little problem. <laughs> Obviously realizing that her daughter can outsing her, Pat turned the radio off and told Mariah that she better wish that she can be half the singer that she is. Now that was a bond-shattering moment for sure. I always feel like
1: somebody's watching me.
0: My takeaways about Pat were just like her
1: narcissistic ways really shine through. Um, It was really clear that she wanted to live vicariously through Mariah almost while positioning herself as like the source of Mariah's success.
0: Totally. Right? Like you, if it weren't for me, you'd be nothing. Exactly. And Mariah didn't really have a steady home. They moved around 13 different times. Most of the places weren't nice. She lived on top of a deli in a bedroom the size of a standard walk-in closet. Look around. <laughs> <We're>, <laughs> Dramatic. Currently pause. in a closet. <laughs> her mom also seemed to go through a lot of questionable boyfriends after her dad was out of the picture. One guy she dated was a man that she had actually been seeing before she married Alfred Roy. Apparently this guy had some money, but when he came over to their house for the first time, he basically told little Mariah to fuck off because he was not at all trying to even pretend to be interested in Pat's kids. Another one of her boyfriends would keep a gun on him, and he would pull it out to threaten Morgan when he was misbehaving. Now, as wild as that sounds, Mariah said it did make her feel safer. And that says a lot about the kind of trouble that Morgan was causing. If a little girl felt safe by a gun, I don't get it.
1: Yeah. That instability is something that definitely sticks with you long term. And like her desire to feel like wanted and like she belonged was probably made so much worse by the physical instability of moving on top of the racial um, othering she experienced.
0: Definitely. And I think the most impactful of like Pat's boyfriends on her was a guy named Henry. He was a Vietnam vet and he definitely had some PTSD going on. He was supportive of Mariah. He even got her a little kitty named Morris. And one day, though, Mariah came home from school. All her shit was packed, and Pat was standing at the door. She told her they had to leave, and they weren't coming back. Henry was sitting in the kitchen with a gun. He said he wasn't going to let them leave. He was going to kill them, chop them up, and leave them in the freezer so that he could have them forever. So they left. But once in the car, Mariah realized that she needed to go back for Morris. And Pat's dumb ass let her small child go back into the house where a man with a gun was threatening their lives. She got Morris and made it back to the car, but like, my god, lady, where is your judgment?
1: Sweetheart, beauty fades, dumb is forever.
0: Mariah said she was trapped for most of her childhood between her mom and her brother's fights feeling like her brother's moods were like weather. She could sense trouble coming the way you can smell rain. She knew by the levels of their voices when it was going to turn violent. One fight in particular got really bad. Her brother wanted to borrow the car, and her mom wouldn't let him. He threw her against the wall and took the car anyways. Little Mariah was left in the house with a passed out mom and no idea what to do. So she ended up calling her mom's friend. Her mom's friend came over with the police, and one of the officers actually said, if this kid makes it, it'll be a miracle, right in front of her oh my gosh this wasn't the first time that mariah remembers police being in her house one of her only memories of living with both of her parents was a fight between her brother and her dad when police had to come and break them apart so living in chaos like this is what made mariah look to music as an escape she would sing to herself in her little charm bracelet whisper voice that we love and it would soothe her anxiety just like it does ours when her family split up Morgan went with Pat. He actually lived with her as an adult, too, recently. I guess he had a pet rabbit, and Pat made her dog eat it because she was mad at him. So he doesn't live there anymore. What the fuck? That just (laughs) goes to show what a psycho woman this is. Anyways, Allison lived with Alfred. And when Morgan was finally institutionalized, a psychiatrist actually told them that a lot of his behavioral problems were from instigation and manipulation from Allison. So it was only right to split them up. Mariah's siblings obviously had a different upbringing than she did. They grew up in a mixed house where Mariah just lived with one parent at a time. So this made her feel like she kind of intruded on their little happy four piece family. You know, you have the mommy and the daddy and the brother and the sister and the puppy that the racist neighbors feed glass to while throwing rocks at your windows. You know, the American dream. Mariah describes her siblings as darker than her. Not their skin, but the way they view the world. And it has a lot to do with the horrors that they faced before Mariah was even around. And that's not really her story, though. But let's get into Pat's hoe daughter, Allison. Anyway, Allison is older than Mariah. I don't remember by how much. I think like seven or eight years, but it doesn't matter because Mariah doesn't count age anyway, so we won't either. But Allison was pregnant by 15. Pat said, abort, abort. But Alfred said she had to get married and have the baby. Papa, don't preach, but Allison was keeping her baby. That's Sean. Remember, we saw him on the yacht in Mariah's World. What? Yeah, that's the baby.
1: Oh, Big baby now. Well, yeah. Big- <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think the marriage lasted longer than a few years, but she did have another baby before it ended. You can tell by the way Mariah writes about her sister that she really wanted a regular, regular sister-sister relationship. She mentioned how Allison was the one who bought her her first bra. Allison used to take her to get her hair done and her eyebrows done. I wonder if she was there when Mariah shaved him off. <laughs> <laughs> she even got Mariah her own phone line at her mom's house so that she could call her anytime she wanted. This sounds great and all, but obviously Allison had alternate motives, you know what I mean? Mariah said she would use the phone line to keep her up all night, talking her off the ledge of unaliving herself. And then she'd have to get up for sixth grade in the morning with only a couple hours of sleep.
1: That's way too much for a child.
0: Now, first of all, if I was Mariah, I would have left this bitch in the dust long, long before she did. If she had given Allison three strikes, she literally would have used all three before Mariah was even 13. And being the giving queen we know her to be, she still paid for countless rehab stays in high-dollar treatment centers. So for what? For us to see a teeth-optional Allison complain on TV and YouTube interviews that Mariah still doesn't take care of her enough? Mariah, I love you, and I desperately need your help. Please don't abandon me like this. What do you want her to do after what you did to her? Allie, mama, no. Mariah said it best in the book. You can't rescue someone who doesn't realize they're on fire. Let's start with strike one, which is Allison offering a 12-year-old Mariah a pinky nail of cocaine and giving Mariah a whole volume at that same age, knocking her out on some strange man's sofa. She had a fight with her mom, stormed out of the house, and took Mariah with her. All Mariah remembers is that the pill was blue and it made her feel like she was eternally sinking into the old man's couch. Sounds like those drug commercials where the girl is completely flattened from smoking weed.
1: (laughs) Oh, I remember that.
0: Now, obviously, Mariah isn't stupid. She knew her sister was a sketchball at this point, but I think she was still hoping for that normalcy. Sweetie's not going to find it in Allison, that's for sure. I mean, Allison had a beeper, and this was the 80s. Only doctors and drug dealers had beepers, so that'll give you some clues. Now, for strike two, she took Mariah to meet her boyfriend, John. Mariah liked John's house because it was nicer than her mom's. They had a TV, they had fun snacks that her mom couldn't afford. And I mean, her dad wouldn't have even bought them at his house. John and Allison would make Mariah feel really comfortable. They also let her smoke cigarettes, which she liked to do back then apparently. All of this was grooming. Mariah was being groomed, manipulating, masquerading as love. Clearly John's place was a whorehouse and Allison was the talent scout and she tried to give her pimp her 12 year old sister. And we know that because the final time she hung out with them, John came and picked her up without Allison. He took Mariah to a drive-in and tried to kiss her. Now, this is a 12-year-old girl with a 20-something-year-old man. Good thing somebody saw them, too, because who knows what could have happened. So fucked up. Mariah said in the book that she can still visibly remember the look on the man's face, and she was so thankful that he was there. The guy who saw them? John got scared, obviously, and took her home, and Mariah never picked up that phone line again. Hmm. But don't worry, Allison still managed to fuck her over some more, even without a regular middle-of-the-night phone call. She was visiting Mariah and their mom, and their dad called. He asked to speak to Mariah, and while little Mimi was on the phone with their dad, Allison was motioning to Mariah like, don't tell him I'm here. And Mariah thought it was funny, and that she was joking around. So... She said, Allison is here too. Did you want to talk to her? Well, Allison wasn't joking. She flipped a switch and tossed a mug of boiling hot tea all over Mariah, causing third degree burns all down her back. I mean, was this really the first time she burned her? Maybe physically? I love that she even calls Allison and Morgan her ex-sister and ex-brother. Oh, fuck. (laughs) The shade.
1: I have some ex-family members, too.
0: As much as it sucks to admit all that ass-kissing that Stella was doing, she wasn't wrong. I mean, what she said about how gracious and amazing Mariah is. She gave those siblings a lot, and they still will talk to anyone to trash her for a little coin. She's not their ATM with a wig on, like she told Oprah. Her family members are obviously deeply significant to her story, but she makes it clear that they are not central to her existence anymore. Isn't it wild how much crazy shit Mariah's been through? She's literally been able to live two completely different lives. The one she was born into with a lot of chaos and pain, and the one she's created for herself full of butterflies and rainbows. She says it in the book, don't live in time, live in moments. And she's had to live in quite a few shitty moments, darling. But here she is. She's a true Easter bunny, Santa Claus, Tinkerbell. Just completely timeless. With this backstory, I hope our listeners can see why whimsy and fantasy have become natural tendencies for our messiah.
1: That was one of the biggest things I picked up on, actually, was um, I started to notice that maybe, like, the butterfly, for instance, actually was a symbol of transformation for her. It wasn't just something she clung on to for no reason. Very much. Like, thinking back to Mariah's world, all of those, like, fantasy moments she created and that dissociation from reality... I think she just wants to have as much fun as possible, like we were saying. And now, with even more backstory for her childhood, it's clear why. And I'm glad she's been able to create her own world in her adult life and for her kids. And she's trying to change their existence.
0: Yeah, she's really cut that life of chaos off at her.
1: Yeah, the generational curse has ended. It's done. Mm -hmm.
0: Job well done, Mimi. Job well done. Good for her
1: it's hard not to be a Mariah fan when you know how much she's gone through and what she's created from the ground up for decades. And there's so much more behind just the music. And like you said, the glamour and the glitz.
0: And we find all this in her lyrics.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was actually um, a quote in Mariah's world that I that really stuck out to me. It was something like, She said she was greeting fans and there was even a moment where she was like, when you listen to someone's music, that's a relationship. And I just thought like, wow, she builds this connection with her fan base because I think it's to her an extension of her family.
0: Oh, 100%. It's her chosen family.
1: That's really cool.
0: And we chose to be in it and there's a wait list.
1: (laughs) Well, add me to the waitlist. You're on the waitlist, Something's baby. changing in me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and we're only five episodes in. We've barely been doing this for a month.
1: I think, okay, <laughs> you've tried to get me to be a Mariah Carey fan for close to 10 years. No. Oh, more than 10 over years. Over 10 years yes. now.
0: I remember calling you in ninth grade when Obsessed came out and you were on your way to Six Flags. And I'm like, just listen to the song <laughs> over the phone. And I'm playing my phone up to the computer that I'm playing Obsessed on. And you're like, I, okay. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you could I just wasn't there. I wasn't ready. <laughs> well,
0: better late than never. Yeah.
1: I'm really attached to her as a person at this point. And the music you sent me this last week, Petals
0: from the 1999 Rainbow album.
1: That I really liked. So I'm finding that I like her ballads a lot.
0: And her lyrics in that song completely tell this story just in a metaphorical way.
1: Yeah. What you don't artistic. see, yeah, very artistic. What you don't see and what you're not hearing is all of the effort that's put into every episode and Taylor is sending me countless um, <laughs> uh, videos, song recommendations, notes, homework, homework, lots of homework, and it's rubbing off on me. <laughs>
0: hey, you know what? If I can convert one person in this world in my lifetime, then I think my life has lived for a purpose
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i think it won't just be me hopefully if you're listening you're starting to like mariah love mariah in a new way with this new information and um we're really excited to get back to some of our humorous content um but this part was really important we think to set the foundation for why mariah is so great
0: well join us next week where we do something lighter (laughs) Maybe something fragrant. I don't know. We'll have a fragrant moment. I did just order eight Mariah Carey perfumes. And so I (laughs) can't wait to
1: smell them all.
0: I had a moment of mania. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's going to benefit us all because we get to play with some Mariah fragrance.
0: (laughs) If you think you know what Mariah smells like, why not give us a call? 857 626 4552.
1: Call, leave a voicemail. Don't be shy.
0: Maybe we'll play it next week.
1: Yeah. It'll be fun. Do it.
0: <laughs> do it. Just do it. Bye.
1: Bye. I will check in and hold back later. Thank you much. Love you. Appreciate you. Enjoy. Bye.